again. I think the music that I've used today is, uh, has been pretty uh, sedate. But, hey, we're getting it. It's across the board, but that was the best song you've played by far. What, like in the last month? All right, guys. <laughs> Troy Harmon, Jared McKenzie, and DJ Barker talking right. to you about financial questions. We'll be willing to answer any and all of your financial, economic, financial planning. You That's give right. it to us, and we'll give it a try. Um, so in order to contact us, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Our next question actually did come to us from the question hotline. Uh, but you can also reach us directly, 770-429-9166. You can speak to a real person if you call that number. If they don't pick up, you can leave a message there, and they'll call you back. Uh, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. If you want information on our company, Hensler Financial, you can go to Hensler.com as well. Uh, basically, if you type in Hensler, you should be able to find us. Um, so we have a question, as I teased before the break, about the investment side of Equifax. Um, sure. You know, the breach Imagine has, it's pretty cheap. At has it taken a well, hit? It's, what's going on it's down 35 <laughs> to 37%. Depends uh, on what time of the day you look at it. I'm, um, I'm going in. You know, we got a, we got a company that's uh, about $10.5 billion in market cap at this point, but it lost a third, uh, more than a third mm-hmm. of its full market cap. So we're down from 15.8, I think it was, at the top mm-hmm. just a couple of months ago. Um, so is the damage done? I mean, ser- well, in all seriousness, yeah. how much of a buying opportunity might this be? Okay, so I talked about this last week, and I really do believe that the stock's value is probably higher than this, but I'm not sure. And the problem is we still keep seeing this thing unfold. It's like a slow-moving train wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have the breach, which would be bad enough, but then you get management that says, uh, we'll help you out, we'll freeze your credit, or we'll let you check your credit. But in order for you to check your credit, you're going to have to sign off that you won't sue us. Uh, come on, guys. Yeah. Something yeah. you caused, and now you're going to help us and mm-hmm. try to keep yourself intact at the same time. That's a little tacky. Well, yeah. And then yeah. and then they tell us that, oh, yeah, we knew this months ago. Another tacky move. Uh, we had a patch that could have fixed it but didn't. I mean, there's all kind of things that just keep coming out. They gave, uh, they gave, um, they would let you freeze your credit, gave you a password, but it turns out that it was just based on the time and the day that that you were uh, requesting the freeze. I, there's just too many things that have gone on. What I really believe, and I said this last week, I believe the CEO is going to wind up losing his position. Well, that's what I was going to say. Wouldn't, wouldn't, because I imagine that's what will come out of this, right? He's going to get ousted to, to one degree yeah, or another right. opportunity to retire. Sure. Maybe. Would that maybe not be seen as a good thing by the market and that Ultimately, there's a change in yeah. leadership that yes. clearly has not been right. able to manage? You know, so he hasn't been fired yeah. yet. So what are they waiting on? My yeah. my take on it is the worst. They're, yeah, they're waiting, they're waiting on, on the, they're waiting on to see is there any more fallout. Yeah, once right. they have all How the worse will it uh, get? When, once they have mm-hmm. everything lumped together and it probably won't be long, mm-hmm. they will uh, they'll make an announcement that he's gone. They're going to hang that on him and let him go away. The issue yeah. is, me and you and Jarrett and everybody else listening to us are not really customers mm-hmm. of Equifax. We're customers of the retailer Mm -hmm. or the card company that reports our information 
it's kind of a uh, centralized location for them to know information on us to determine what what risk we are mm-hmm. for them to extend credit. So, uh, in the end, we can't ask to be clients of theirs or ask not to be clients of theirs. You can't quit them. So, ultimately, I think Equifax survives. Uh, Equifax gets sued. Equifax loses their CEO. But ultimately, I believe that you will see the they price will. go higher. They Even right on. now, when we look in the market, uh, the price has fallen, as I said, 37%. As of the recording of this show, uh, the uh, the average opinion of all analysts who put their opinion in Bloomberg, our, our uh, news terminal for uh, for financial news, they say that the stock is about 27% undervalued mm-hmm. right now. Do I say it's time to buy? Not not yet. I would say you're, you're not going to buy it at the bottom if you do it the way that I would do it. And by the way, we don't trade securities. We're not in that business. We're investors. We look for companies that have solid earnings, uh, earnings growth, uh, profitability, and, and a valuable price, meaning an attractive sure. price at the you know, relative to those fundamentals that I just talked about. And that's where we invest. Uh, but at the moment, Equifax looks cheaper than I think it will in a year. But I don't think all the news is out, and I don't think the the final lawsuit has been filed. Yeah. I really think it's probably early to buy. But, I, you know, if you're into taking a risk like that with some fun money, maybe. I don't well, think you ought to Vegas put it in your retirement account. No. Right. right. Does, does it or the other two bureaus... Do you know if it meets our criteria? They do, Have yeah. you looked at yes, it? Yes, yeah. all three of them, uh, including Fair Isaac. I mean, there's there's a lot of those type of companies. And if you think about uh, think about 2007 and 8, mm-hmm. the government was trying to hinge or trying to hitch uh, the whole downturn on who? Moody's, S&P, the rating agencies. They had done us wrong. They uh, yeah. allowed for these horrible mortgages to be put in uh, in with other mortgages that weren't so bad, but all of them failed. Uh, it, it cost investors a lot of money. Sure, that mm-hmm. did happen. Uh, it wasn't all their fault. The fact that some of those mortgages were even being backed by uh, by the likes of uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, in my opinion, was was suspect. Which, who allows that? It's the regulator. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, those companies survived. Um, didn't get sued. It was a bit of a different situation. You know, there wasn't a breach of somebody else's information. But in in the end, it looked as bleak for them at that time mm-hmm. as it does for Equifax at the moment. Um, these are all privately owned, right? The bureaus, or is that a, is that a and even the Moody's and uh, yeah, Moody's and and S and P are both uh, publicly traded, right? Um, as yeah, well these are, as, yeah, my, these are all, these are not government entities no, no, that no, are, are not, not at substantial risk of failure no, if something like this takes private place. Private held but publicly traded companies. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> the the my my ultimate opinion is yeah they've been beaten down probably beyond where they should but the market overshoots a lot especially if the news is horrible mm-hmm. uh, or if the news is really good uh, it'll it'll buy up. <laughs> Think about it. that's what the tech bubble was made of, right? Yeah. Everybody thought that they'd never lose a dime buying a, a company if as long as it had dot com at the back of it. Right. It's uh it's just one of those anomalies that happens quite a bit. Well, can I ask you this? The might TransUnion and Experian stand to gain from this more more than a rebound in Equifax? No. I mean, 
No, I don't think so. So you think there's more opportunity in, in, in Equifax than if you were to try and say, okay, yeah. well, if they're going to fare better because of this breach on yeah. one of their competitors, essentially. Yeah, if you look at the price of, of any one of these companies, it still looks, you know, they, they all st- still look relatively expensive like the rest of the market does. But you look at, it, at uh, Equifax, and it's clearly been beaten down uh, over the last two weeks. Sure. Um but again, you know, this is not an investment. This is more of a speculation. This is something that somebody might go out and, and uh, you a know, take a flyer money. on. Yeah, it's, this yeah. is not to put in your retirement account without a doubt. Yeah. 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 So uh, anyway, Ed Kelly, that is your answer. We appreciate you, uh, you submitting it. Uh, guys, we got a, a question here, and I'm going to let this one, since it is an audio question, I'm going to let it run. We'll answer it to the best of our ability in the next few minutes if we uh, have to. Take a break in the middle of it. We'll come back and talk about it. But here you go, Adrian. Debt to income ratio. Here you go. Hello, my name is Adrian. I'm calling from Austell. I wondered if you could tell me what's considered a good debt to income ratio. I still have a little bit of unsecured debt from a divorce a few years ago, and I'm going to be in the in the market to buy a house in the next couple of years. I just want to make sure that I'm going to be a good candidate for a mortgage. Thank you. It's probably a good idea to think about, you know, you got a, a purchase, big purchase coming up. You know you're going to use some debt. Sure. So She's planning. Love to yeah, see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Planners, Thinking ahead. Guys. That's right. Because it may take some manipulation. Ask. I mean, that, that's a yeah. great question, especially if you're considering a mortgage, because generally a bank's not going to want to see anything north of, say, 40 to 45% uh, debt to income. And so, you know, if you're planning something like that, you may want to try and move some things around so that you do eliminate some of that debt if you can, uh, because it's going to be a lot diff- lot more difficult in the underwriting process with a bank if that debt to income ratio uh, is more substantial now far as when, uh, let's say you get the mortgage and uh, you're looking at debt-to-income ratio then, I mean, generally speaking, you want it to be lower. The banks obviously want to loan you money because that's partly how they make their money. And so Absolutely. they're going to give you a little more flexibility. But generally speaking, we'd want to see it no more than, say, 25 or 30 percent is the general rule. So uh, we'll get a little more information on that whenever we come back. But maybe this would be a good point to take a break and then circle back around with some more uh, aspects of her question. Hey, before you do that, though, Again, you can reach us at 1-855-429-9166. That's our uh, recorded question hotline. Uh, you can call us directly, 770-429-9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's right. Go on our website and check that out. Um, you can also reach us through multiple venues and social media, including yeah, LinkedIn, give us a call. Yeah, Facebook. we got all kinds of Cheapest free advice you can get. Cheapest free. <laughs> Let me think about that while you talk about Adrian hey, from Austin. Well, exactly. Adrian, you, you pose a great question, and I know there's a lot of folks out there that probably have the same one, and, you know, that's what I mean. Honestly, you know, you, you took the time to submit this question to us, and so, you know, it's it's good to be able to talk about these things and remind people that, you know, there are certain considerations that you want to make, and in your case, one that you should probably make early on because, again, it, it very well may take some manipulation and, and movement of things uh, to the extent that you can because, again, you know, if, if you are after the mortgage, then you're going to want to, or the bank, I should say, is going to want to see a debt-to-income ratio uh, 
really no more than the, the 40 to 45% level, like I said. Uh, but just generally speaking, when you're kind of planning for budgeting purposes and your month-to-month cash flow, uh, you want to try to keep it a little bit lower. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a, a, a monthly house payment and what part of your income go, goes towards that, uh, and, you know, certainly that's going to be a much more appropriate level than what the bank may be accepting of. So, you know, to answer your question, 40 to 45% from the bank standpoint, 25 to 30 maybe, uh, just from a general perspective, uh, keeping it in and around those levels should put you in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you wanted to calculate this at home, you add up your recurring monthly debt and you divide it by your gross monthly income. It's there you go. Easy enough. Easy enough to try to, hopefully that'll help. Yeah. All right, 40 Absolutely. to 45%. Sounds good. What else we got? Anybody from Paulding today? No, oh. we do have Adam from Kennesaw who says, no. uh, in the no. last three months, one of my holdings seems to be on a fast decline, Apogee Enterprises. I'm coming up on a year holding this. Do I cut my losses and sell? Uh, Apogee, it doesn't look like a terrible company. The, the one thing that I do notice is they uh, design and develop glass solutions for, for enclosing buildings. Uh, you would figure in the aftermath of two major hurricanes in the U.S., they might get a little bit of a pop in yeah. business, but uh, reality is their their long term is, is probably a bit more muted. Glass companies in general have moved offshore, and uh, it makes it difficult for for them. I think it's going to make it difficult longer term for them to to uh, um, compete. Sure. Uh, so, you know, ultimately that's, that's what I'm going to say. Probably I would mm-hmm. go ahead and sell. Now, he, they say... Adam says, should I sell now? It's almost a year. Should I sell now or do I wait? Yeah. Now, this might be, and he doesn't really give us exact detail, but mm-hmm. it, it's there's a difference, right, Jared? Absolutely. And, I mean, look, this is something, let me just say, first of all, that this is an advantage that you gain by owning individual securities, kind of going back to something we touched on on one of the previous shows in yeah. that, you know, when you, you use ETFs, which I know a lot of people think and are correct in thinking that, you know, this is a lot cheaper, more cost effective to own it that way. You get the advantage of diversification, and that's true. There's some points to be made about that as well, but this is a big thing that you lose when you invest in that manner because in owning uh, one individual entity like this and being able to uh, step away from it if you if you do want to cut your losses and sell, the advantage you would gain then is your ability to tax or, or harvest any losses, which we refer to as tax loss harvesting. And, you know, particularly here at the end of the year, uh, I'm sure that throughout the course of the, the uh, first half of this year, since the market's been on a pretty good run this year, there's going to be some gains that maybe you've taken. And, and even if you have haven't, uh, if you take some losses and recognize these losses, then that's going to give you an ability throughout the course of the remainder of the year to then look to say, okay, well, I've got some losses that can be offset by some gains. And so then maybe you can trim one of these positions that have done well for you, recognize some of those gains and avoid having to pay much tax, if any, because now you've got some losses uh, in, in the sale of this company to then offset whatever gains you might incur as a result of that trim. You can actually use those losses in previous years as well as future years as well, right? Yeah, you can. As a matter of fact, DJ and I had a a scenario once where, you know, we took some losses for a client and uh, the client was none too happy because she, in this case, did not have any gains uh, for that year and didn't feel that she needed uh, any losses to be recognized for her. But it just so happened in the following year, which I think was 2015, which was a, 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 well, not 20, it was 2016, I guess it was last year. It's a really pretty good year. 
and we had we had done some cross the board stuff and recognized some gains for her that she didn't end up being impacted much at all by because she had this carry forward right. uh, that she was able to use. And so yes, you can continue to. Could she be saw the benefit, benefit at that yeah. point. Absolutely, exactly. she was confused at first, but saw That's that benefit right. and, and the difference here is yeah. if you sell it, if you sold this stock, if Adam sold this stock Apogee before the one year, he gets a different rate, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you you got short term gains, you got long term gains. Anything previous or prior to twelve months uh, would be short term, and that's obviously taxed at a different rate than the long term, which is anything beyond twelve months. And so uh, the the short term gains are taxed at ordinary income rates, where the long term is taxed at long term capital gains rates, which for most of us is fifteen percent, unless you're in the highest bracket, in which case it would be twenty percent. Uh, but you know, in either of those cases, your ordinary income tax rate is probably going to be higher. And so, you know, first your your short term and your long term losses or gains are netted, and then they can they can offset your income to an extent. As far as losses go, uh, they can only offset long term losses can only offset up to three thousand dollars of ordinary income. Where if you take short term losses because those are taxed at ordinary income rates, then you can actually offset up to more than that potentially, as long as those those uh, losses are matching up as far as the short term or long term. Uh, in those cases. And so, yes, it does matter. And, you know, I think that the short-term gains are at least as advantageous as the long-term ones. And so, you know, I would say if it's less, if it's been on for less than 12 months, I'd probably go ahead and get yeah. rid of it if, if you're thinking about it It's a company that you have no conviction over, sure, I would sell it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, and that, that So that kind of leads us into one related and, and final thing here with mutual funds, because this was a question that came up recently as we do prepare for this end of the year uh, push to to harvest any losses where it's worthwhile to do so. And so as far as mutual funds go, uh, you know, we had a client recently asking about the uh, redemptions that are made at the end of the year and this payout that happens. And while that certainly uh, does not decrease the value of your account or your portfolio because it's being paid out in cash and, you know, it looks like there's a loss in the security, sure. but in fact, the value of the account remains the same or may even be a little bit higher. Yeah. And so that's one of the things DJ and I were talking about before the show is that's actually advantageous in this very same way in that, you know, and we've had the case with our, with our equity fund before where when we when we pay out at the end of the year sure. it does look like it has caused uh, the uh, decline in value the price, exactly. the price is due to so decline yeah, so there's a, a loss on there. fund pays out a dividend right? right exactly and it looks like there's a loss and we can now harvest some of that potentially for um, you know if 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 there is an opportunity to do that it may create the same advantage right there's a couple of things you need to be mindful of if you've got uh, a fund that's on automatic uh, reinvestment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you buy it, then you can't sell it for yep. 31 days. So you got to be careful. There's some tax rules you got to work around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. You know, so if the price did fall and you bought more, and then you wanted to sell before the year end, usually you're kind of in a pickle. You'd have right. to push it into the following year. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you if the the dividend is paid out, you get cash, and it should be approximately the equivalent of the amount of so the decline. decline you see in that price of that mutual fund, right? And you know the step right behind that is if you didn't reinvest, you can sell, you can mm-hmm. realize that loss because it's only going to be based on the price. Yep. You got a loss that you can apply toward uh, gains, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, you have the cash that you got that was the dividend. 
So yeah, exactly. Anyway, an interesting situation. So when those happen, you're not actually losing money. The net asset value of that fund is actually decreasing, and you're getting more cash as a result. Right. That's essentially offsetting what would otherwise be a loss if that, right. that value were to go away. Yeah, it is a bit of a confusing situation. So, DJ, is the market up or down this week? We're going up. There we go. I, I always like DJ. I'm always. He's a CWS. I don't um, know if you knew that. Yeah, Jared. well, yeah, I do. And then, uh, in market? Since in I do have a fellow CWS, so I'm going to go with him today. I'm, i wow. got to say it's going up, and you know that's wow. rare for me. That is pretty rare for you, and, of course, you know what's never rare for me because I'm a broken record. It's been right for a while. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, more All often life. than not. That's, All is life. It's easy. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> All right. Listening to Money Talks, we'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.